Welcome, everybody, to another episode of War Room, the Hockey Podcast, episode 66. I'm Evan Rauer, uh, joined this week um, by Brad through Zoom, um, seeing as we are not in studio together. I uh, had a tremendous conversation uh, reviewing round two of the Stanley Cup playoffs, um, as well as previewing uh, the conference finals, uh, the Stanley Cup final, and all in the necessary details as we head into the off-season prior to the 2021 season, which I'm sure is going to be interesting given everything that's going on. Um, again, I want to thank you all real quick um, for your patience and understanding. Um, promised two episodes this week, still getting those episodes just a few days later. So I want to thank you all for your your patience and understanding with that. Uh, before um, we get to the conversation we had, make sure you head to the necessary social media platforms, um, Facebook and Instagram, War Room the Hockey Podcast, at War Room the Hockey Podcast, respectively. Make sure you like and you follow us there. Engage with us, questions, comments, um, thoughts. Make sure you head to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Make sure you rate your review, preferably a five-star rating. Um, continue to help us grow. Ratings and reviews um, go a long way in helping podcasts um, make their mark and continue to expand and continue to grow exponentially. So uh, make sure you do that. We greatly appreciate it. S episode 66 of War Room, the Hockey Podcast, a round two 2020 Stanley Cup playoff review. Enjoy. What a lot of great stuff going on, hey? Yes. Yep. Man. Good, good hockey. What a lot of great stuff. I, this is this is awesome. I not only is that is it great to have the playoffs on, but this is the first year ever that I've been able to celebrate the end of summer and the end of that ridiculous heat that we had for nearly three weeks, uh, yep. and and playoff hockey at the same time. Yep, yep, it's good. It's um, Tampa and Boston, the only ones that are done so far, and yeah, as of. As of this recording, yeah, there's still uh, still seven of the eight teams left in it. Yeah, and um, got as of this recording, we've got um, game, a couple game sixes tonight in uh, Vegas, Vancouver, and I believe and the Islanders and uh, Islanders Flyers. Flyers. Yeah. And that'll be yeah, two game sixes, and those are good ones. And uh, as we talked about before. Uh, Islanders Flyers is a really close, really close series, uh, let alone the fact that the Islanders got out to a 3-1 lead. Uh, those teams are very evenly matched and, and play each other really well. You're starting to see a lot of, though, you're starting to see the war of attrition. You got, you know, we'll get to the, we'll get to the Western Conference uh, injuries and stuff in a few minutes, but uh, right now you're, you're looking at game time decisions on Sean Couturier, uh, Matt Barzell. Uh, you got you got some stuff going on that's going to affect guys and and just before we get into everybody and everything that's been that's been happening since the last recording, the three things that we always talk about in the playoffs being goaltending, size, 
and health. And unfortunately, you know, there's been some teams that have had their top goaltenders either knocked out or banged up somehow. So that takes care of two of those three all at once. Yeah. Yeah. And you're starting to see now how size matters. Okay. Like, I don't care what you say. The only teams in my lifetime that haven't won, but that have won a cup, and I'm not talking about being a contender. There's a lot of contenders, but genuine cup winners and, and finalists and the guys who can actually go through it all and win. The only, the only team that I can remember is a couple of the Pittsburgh Penguins teams here in just in the last five or six years, not particularly big. Uh, although Crosby and Malkin play a much bigger game than their, than their stats indicate. Um, these are, you know, everywhere you look at Chicago and Boston and LA and the teams in the last 10 years and in, and then back into the Detroit teams, New Jersey, those were huge, nasty elbow throwing clobbering teams. And I won't use all the terminology, but you've got to have heavy. You've got to have heavy. St. Louis proved it. Washington proved it. You can't point to one. So you've got to have that. And we're starting to see the effects, hey? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I, will say, I, will, I will say that it, it, a simple solution and a simple way of looking at it is um, that at the end of the day, if you're a contender, it doesn't really matter who's in your lineup. You find ways to win. Right. Right. Um, whether, whether you, whether you lack size or whether you've, whether your goaltender is hurt or, or whatever the case may be, you know, if you're a contender, if you're, if you're somebody who's capable of winning, then it really doesn't matter what AHL guys you have in your lineup, you win. Right. You know, you, you totally agree with that and that's staff, whatever else, and you, you find a way to win. And, um, so, per our conversation before of the importance of goaltending, it is very, very important. And we've seen that for the past how many years, let alone this year so far, but you you find ways to win no matter how many goals you allow, no matter who's in your lineup. If you're, if you're a contending team. Yep. That's a good point. That's a really good point. That goes to coaching and it goes to character and preparation whether it's the team preparing itself, the individuals preparing themselves or the coaching staff preparing them, you got to be able to win six to five. You got to be able to win one to nothing or two to one. You got to be able to win obviously in three or four or five overtimes. Uh, that's just, that's just finding a way. And so, uh, you know, let, there are, there are a few things that jump off the page at me. And if you want, let's start in the East. Yep. Uh, the easy, the easy part is looking at the Tampa Bay lightning and they, they upgraded from last year, not in the skill department. They upgraded in what we're talking about. They upgraded with Pat Maroon, Barkley Goudreau, uh, Blake Coleman. They, they upgraded with, with size and elbows. And that's where you're seeing the difference. And they still had, you know, they still had Braden Coburn and, and plenty of guys to, to lean on that are, that are big and can stand the punishment. But the biggest, the biggest difference in that team and being able to beat Boston and beat them pretty soundly 
was was absolutely in the in the size and and the grit and they're doing it without sam coast who hasn't even mentioned they they've not even brought him up and they played the the last game the deciding game they won mostly without kucherov mm-hmm. so that's an easy one to point to in a perfectly uh, perfectly legitimate way to make make the point because they because Cooper is a great coach and because they've got some real good veteran leadership on that team they find a way to win like how about Braden Point Andre Palat Yanni Gord Alex Kalorn I mean these guys are and then and then in the in the physical department toss in Sorelli and Paquette these these are guys that can play below the hash marks. Hedman's a monster. Ryan McDonough is has been tremendous. Um, Coburn, like I said, and there's another guy that nobody's saying too much about. But how about taking Zach Bogosian off the scrap heap on waivers from Buffalo? Pick him up for nothing, and he's playing great minutes, and he's playing with size, and he's playing a real confident game. And, and this is why Boston's at home and, uh, and Tampa's going on. Yep. No, I, I 100% agree with that. Um, and it, a prime example of, of winning with what you have, though, is the New York Islanders. Oh, yeah. Because they're, yeah. not, they're not overly big, and they – um, they're winning on the on the back of a goaltender that you could that isn't a a slouch by any means, but has his reputation over the past few years has been such that he either can't stay healthy or he can't stay consistent. Right. And he's got the dreaded groin injury yeah. in his in his past, and hopefully it doesn't rear its head now because he's playing really well. You're talking about Varlamov, right? Correct. So uh, they're, they're um, as far as I know, they, they haven't had any, faced any big health issues injury-wise yet, um, but simply on size and goaltending and what they have every night. They're winning on, on the back of production of Derek Broussard and, you know, goaltending of a guy who's trying to um, reestablish his winning ways in Barlamov and um, Barzal, who's probably got a chip on his shoulder after Tavares left and um, a, a unproven leader in Anders Lee. And uh, the only real guys with any grit to him being Matt, Matt Martin and, Leo Connor, maybe yeah. Cal Clutterbuck, but Clutterbuck. Yeah. But, this team, this team has three second lines and a fourth line. And their fourth line is the best one in the game right now, save for maybe Vegas. But that that line always makes something happen. They potted a couple of goals in, in clutch times. And you're talking about Clutterbuck, Martin, and Leo. They are impossible to play against. They are really physical. They create a great forecheck, and they created some opportunities for themselves. And then, you know, like Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, I got to hand it to Jordan Eberle, maybe the best career out of that Edmonton tire fire from a few years ago. Josh Bailey having a great series. Casey Sezikis, an unsung, uh, unsung key piece in that lineup. 
uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, Anthony Beauvillier, a, a monster. Like, and, and Barzal, when he's healthy, Barzal can, can skate with the best of them. So, yeah, up front, they're great. On defense, Letty, Green, Pellick, Mayfield, out of nowhere, finally at 27, and Ryan Pollock, Devin Taves. Like, these guys are – and those are, not, those are not superstar names, but the sum is, equal than, is greater than the parts. So, and that's Barry Trotz. So he takes a bunch of B plus guys and that's an A team right now. Correct. Yep. No, I, I agree. And, um, but they, they are, we've said this before, Islanders and Flyers are, were our, our picks for the top two Yep. in, in the East. They won't be the top two, unfortunately, because they're playing each other. Um, yes. but, um, Carter Hart's having a come out, come out party. Yes, um, he's he's proven that he can be the guy in Philly with, with how he's performing right now in, um, in the strangest of, of, <laughs> twenty twenty playoffs. But so. yeah, isn't he though? And and they're still you know this team is now uh, headed into Game Six with a perfectly legitimate chance to to win this series and go to the conference final. And they have virtually gotten nothing from Van Riemsdyk, Konechny, Giroux, Voracek. Uh, you know, their their scoring is just not coming from their top guys. So they're they're getting you know they're getting by on you know the the on depth scoring. And if they if they ever get their top end scoring moving, and start really causing some havoc with their top guys they're going to be a handful and um, you know, they're going to be battle tested. So that's, it's going to, whoever wins this series is going to make for a really good Eastern conference final with Tampa. Yep. Extremely good. Well, and you know, somebody we haven't, we don't talk about somebody we haven't seen in how long and we forget is even there. Um, Nolan Patrick, we haven't even seen the light of day of Nolan Patrick in Philly. No. And, no. and unfortunately you probably won't. Um, nope. The rumor be the rumor uh, rumor is rumor, but the rumor being he might um, be on the move in the off season, potentially maybe depending on what happens um, in a package for Johnny Gaudreau or, you know, something like that. But um, the point being that his um, tenure in Philly is probably over before it even really started. Yeah. And, um, and who knows if he, if he's having, um, concussion issues or um, vertigo issues or whatever he was facing. Um, he, his career might, might not really get off the ground if he's having this serious a head and head issues. hundred um, percent. And on, and on head injuries, on head injuries, you have to, and I missed it. Um, I missed what the injury was, but you have to ask yourself um, what kind of career um, Connor Timmons has in front of him after being injured last night. Again, yeah, absolutely. That's, a, that's another head injury. That's yeah. another head injury. At that young of age, already missing eighteen months from one and everything. Who knows what another one might do? So, um, it's some questions it's on on some guys that were touted as as future stars. Yeah, 
Yeah. Like these are guys, these poor kids have not, ha they haven't strung together a healthy month, let alone season since their career started. And uh, you hate to see it because they're both really good players, real solid guys that you would certainly want on your roster. But man, just the, I mean, Patrick's been on LTIR, I think all season. And, um, and now Timmons, who just got back in the lineup uh, when the playoffs started, who knows if and when we'll see him again. Like, yeah. uh, you feel bad for these guys. But, you know, you, you, this is, to your point earlier, this is where the, this is where the um, finding a way to win uh, from, your, from your lineup, but this is where it comes from. Philip Myers, Philippe Myers, uh, Travis Sanheim, Matt Niskanen, Provorov, playing fantastic minutes on defense. Obe Cabell, Derek Grant, Farabee, Pitlick, uh, these guys are, and Scott Lawton up front, picking up all that slack. Kevin Hayes doing a nice job in the second hole. Like, they're just finding a way. And Elaine Vigneault is a really, really good coach. Players love him, and he's, uh, he's, a, great, he's a great motivator and a great tactician. Yep. Yep. No, he is. They're... Um... Coaching is starting to prove to be more of a factor than goaltending, I think, to be quite honest with um, the way the way these coaches are able to adapt and able to um, make decisions in real time during a game with injuries and with whatever else, uh, you know, that they that they that that they have to deal with. So, I mean, Barry Trotz and Elaine Vigneault, um, Bednar. Um, all that stuff and yeah. with everything and what they're well, dealing with, with their lineup, with whatever else. So um, goaltending is important, but coaching's proven to be kind of the catalyst. If it it absolutely is. And you've got to play the right hunch with your goaltending because you've seen guys getting, you know, juggled around as far as who's hot, who might be a little bit banged up. Uh, you've got, you've got clubs playing in front of, second and third string goaltenders and minor leaguers that are, they're finding a way and, uh, and coaching is a hundred percent of that. And it's the staff. It goes right to the head coach, but my gosh, like, and we'll get to the West here, Jared Bednar, there's games where he has to look up and down. He has to look at the nameplate on the back of the guy, see if he recognizes anyone like that. It's amazing shift to shift who these guys are losing and, and trying to throw out the right penalty kill or power play unit, trying to match lines and, and keep, um, keep defense pairs and, and forward lines in combinations that will succeed and not knowing from one minute to the next who you're going to have available. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's proving that it's proving that, uh, that it's proving again, the importance of um, drafting well, to have the, the the pipeline and the depth so that when you get into the grind of the playoffs and you or at any point in the season where you start losing guys out of your lineup you get guys to plug in that really that are beneficial to your lineup rather than detrimental and so it's um it's a testament to um Sackick and and um all the general managers that, you know, and Steve Eiserman building Tampa, he's, he's in Detroit, but um, his fingerprints are still on all over Tampa, um, you know, and all that stuff. It's just, 
Um, Hextall's fingerprints are still all over Philly. Um, you know, so it's absolutely it's a testament to the drafting as much as it is the the coaching and everything. So it really starts again, like we talk about all the time at the developmental level to properly, properly find the chemistry and build your organization. Yep. Absolutely. Right. And, and who knew, I mean, a perfect example of that is Johnny Boychuk being down on uh, in Long Island and, uh, and some of the guys like Scott Mayfield and, and Andy Green and, and guys that are stepping into that, into that opportunity. And as a lot of coaches always tell you, one guy's injury is another guy's opportunity, but you know, credit to credit to the system for drafting them and credit to the coaching staff for, for playing the right hunches and juggling that around and putting a guy where he's going to have the best opportunity to succeed. So, and that's, that's why this is such a tremendous team game because like, if you're if you want to move on to the west that's why right now as of this recording colorado's won two in a row behind uh, in front of uh, mike hutchinson and he was a throw in i mean he was a he was a afterthought a few months ago and thought maybe it was just you know like a cap dump from toronto but here he is he's won two playoff games and got him back to a game 7 so you never know, and that's why the the team game is so important in this. Uh, you know, you can't just have superstars. You can't just have a a coach that that can juggle lines. You got to be you got to be tactically ready. All of them, every single guy. And and when you get when your depth reaches way deep into the press box before you get out of a series, that's exactly the point I'm making. Agreed. Well, no, it's a testament. You know, no matter what happens in in Game Seven. You know, whether they win or lose, who knows? It's a testament to the depth that a team like Colorado has that, um, you know, at the goaltending position, I don't think they get enough credit at the goaltending position that they've got guys that can win you hockey games. When oh, it yeah. Matters. You know, yeah. Fran- Grubauer went down in the year. Francois came in, injured 30 seconds into a first period game against Winnipeg, and Adam Werner comes in and shuts him out. You know, yep. and um, Colorado's the only team I think so this season that has five goaltenders that have at least one win. <laughs> Amazing. They, so, so while they face injury issues, they've got they've got the depth of goaltenders, and it's continued with um, their 2019 goaltender draft pick just signing his contract and everything like that. They've they've got the depth, that, especially at the goaltending position, to to win, and it's a credit to a um, a guy that spent time in the Okanagan in Hunter Miska for being finding himself in a valuable position. So it's He's in the show. It's the kid in the show. Yeah. So right now, this is a team that's missing. Basically, we haven't seen Donskoy, right? Donskoy, Calvert, Calvert, uh, Francois, Grubauer. Grubauer's done. Um, no matter what the Avalanche do. Um, from here on out, whether they win or lose in game seven, whether they win the cup, he's done because he has gone back to Denver. So he's, he's, he's out. He's out. I I have it on good, reliable source that Eric Johnson will likely come back if they advance to the conference final. 
Yeah. So, but Johnson's out. Uh, they lost Timmons. Um, Landeskog is now in a question after a scary injury last night. It's um, a game time. Yeah. With that cut. Yeah. So they're, um, they're winning with the likes of Logan uh, and, as, and personal standpoint as an avalanche fan, Hutchinson still scares me, but they're winning with on, on the backs of Hutchison with Logan O'Connor. They're winning with um, Belmar and you knew Belmar would produce and he played oh, well, yeah. but he's a beauty. He's an absolute beauty. Nathan McKinnon has tied Wayne Gretzky in playoff production. Um, Burakovsky is proving to be, is proving why he was worth trading for. And How about Nazem Kadri? Kadri, Kadri wow. in in the first round alone in had more points in like three games than he had in his entire ten year career in Toronto in the playoffs. So they're they're winning, and they're not winning on the backs of slouches, but they're winning on the backs of of things outside of McKinnon and Rantanen. And which is what you wanted. However, for the past year, year or two, um, or how how many years they were they were relying alone on McKinnon, uh, Duchesne, Rantanen, you know yeah. these guys. And now you've got Kale McCarr who's tying a rookie point record. You got <laughs> McKinnon who's tied uh, Gretzky. You got Burakovsky who's producing. You've got Kadri who's who's proving why you, you picked him up as a second-line center. Belmar Chuchkin producing. You got Belmar proving to be a tremendous uh, depth leader. You got yep. Ian Cole with Johnson injured, proving to be that big-body leader on the back end. Zadorov. So Graves. You, you don't want to get ahead of yourself. There's still game seven to play, but they're, they're proving that they – they're proving at least to uh, – a certain extent that they belong, which oh, is, oh my gosh, do they ever? Yeah, this is a this is a team that with a bounce is going to win Game Seven, and by the time everybody hears this, it might be long over with. But and and we don't know. But and I'll get to the opponent in a minute, the Dallas Stars. But I want to make one point about Nathan McKinnon. Remember a few weeks ago uh, we were talking about uh, one of our loyal listeners mentioned great playoff runs throughout history. Yep. How many guys, and I could name them, it would, it would insult the heck out of some guys because they were, they were playoff no-shows, and it would compliment other guys that were very, very mediocre during the regular season and stepped up in the playoffs. But this kid, McKinnon, is both, and, that, and not everybody is. Like superstars are much more vulnerable in the playoffs because they're easy to key on. They're easy to game plan, but nobody, it just proves that nobody can handle this guy physically. They can't handle him in short air, in small areas. They can't handle him in open ice. They can't handle the shot, the passing. This guy is incredible uh, as far as like turning NHL defensemen inside out and doing it every single night and he did it all the regular season and he's doing it every night in the playoffs and he makes that team he makes the, everybody in that lineup two inches taller because now 
the guys like Kadri and Burakovsky and guys like that, they're, they've got tons more freedom because everybody is wearing themselves completely out with Nathan McKinnon. Yep. I agree. And that's a definitely a factor as to the production level of those guys. Um, but at the same time, you could go the other, you could argue the other way that because of the production, McKinnon's able to do what he does. So team game. Yep. It, so it, team game. No, I agree. So, and when, and you're talking about Dallas, when they, when they went up three to one, the, the just brutality and size of the Dallas stars is what was really apparent. Like they've got high end talent, no question. You know, Sagan and Ben and, and Haskinen on defense and Klingberg and Radulov. These guys are, these guys are great players. Uh, but then, and you throw in Joe Pavelski on the second line and uh, they're getting great work out of Cogliano and Como and Faxa. And now they got Corey Perry, but go up and down this lineup. Just, just go down this lineup. Let me, let me read these names off to you. Sagan, Ben, Pavelski, Radulov, Como, Corey Perry, Dickinson, Gurianov, Rup Hintz, Klingberg, Lindell, Oleksiak at 6-7, Miro Heiskanen, Taylor Fadoon. Every single one of these guys is between 6 feet and 6-5, and they're heavy and nasty. They're they're crease jamming elbow throwing late hitting filthy rotten bastards to play against which is exactly what you have to have in the playoffs and they're doing it they've taken a lot of dumb penalties and hurt themselves but man this team just punishes you yep. now i i agree i for me with dallas and from a personal standpoint i don't want to say this but from an objective <laughs> standpoint for me with dallas here there's a reason that they won three games. There's a reason they were up three, one. Um, there's a reason why they scare you in game seven. Um, especially with Hutchinson and that, I'm sorry, but, um, but at the same time here, here's, um, here's what's, here's my prediction. And it's, I won't say it's a guarantee, but here's my prediction. Um, Dallas wins game seven only, and I mean only on the backs of their stars. On yeah. Ben and Sagan, um, Hintz and Heiskanen. If those guys, because those guys produced through the first four games to give them a 3-1 lead. Yep. In the past two games now, now that it's 3-3 in the series, they've been non-existent. Now, part of that is the credit to Bednar and the way the Avalanche have been playing defensively. Good on them. But, um, but it's no mistake. No matter who's in net for Dallas, okay, Hudobin, Bishop, doesn't matter. Um, if, those guys aren't, if those guys aren't producing, I think Dallas, Dallas is in trouble. And so – as great as Dickinson and, you know, these types of depth guys, Corey Perry proving to be a depth guy, Como and these guys as facts as important as they are and it, as much as they've produced as well. Um, Dallas wins game seven if Ben, Sagan, Pavelski, and Heiskanen are on, are on the score sheet. 
I agree. And I, and I mean, literally on the score sheet. Right. So and now, it, now it, let's again, stand up and salute Jared Bednar because he has forced the Dallas stars to beat you with someone other than that Sagan Ben Radulov line. And they haven't been able to do it. As soon as, as soon as the defense and the checking line matchups, as soon as that was figured out for the most part, after game four, Bednar says, you're going to beat us. If you're going to beat us, it's going to be someone other than these guys. And you better hope that Como and Faxa and guys like that can step up because we're not going to just stand back and let Ben and Sagan and Radulov run over us. And, they, and the Stars have not been able to respond to that. The one wild card that I really makes me nervous, would make me nervous about game planning for Dallas is looking at Heiskanen, Lindell, and Klingberg on defense. Those guys are so mobile and they are so good at going from low to high with the puck and, and bringing that defense in between the circles and getting opportunities. It's, that's something that, that um, the, the avalanche forwards are going to have to really, really be alert to. Agreed. I, anything can happen, wild cards and bounces and all this stuff. I mean, crying out loud, you know, credit to the Avalanche and the team they have, but did we really think we'd even be in a game seven with Hutchison and net? So, I mean, anything can happen, but, um, but it's yeah. just, it's not, it's not a fact. It's not even a, a guarantee. It's just my prediction that, um, yeah, bounces and wild cards, you know, do play a factor and all that stuff. But if Dallas is going to win game seven and advance to the conference final over Colorado, they're going to have to, they're going to, have to do it on the backs of Ben and Sagan and Rad. If they're not on the score sheet, um, my prediction is going to be, um, and if and if you get even remotely consistent of a of a performance from Hutchinson again, Colorado wins Game Seven, unless <laughs> unless Radulov, Ben, and Sagan decide enough is enough, and they yeah. just they just kind of go screw you, and they just light it up. Otherwise, Hutchinson's been solid, and and he had to be. I mean, he's had one leaker, uh, the one in game six, the first goal in game six. And, and you you know, if you've seen him play a lot, if you watched him play in Toronto, you want to say to yourself, oh, no, here we go again. But he righted himself. He was solid. And to the credit of the coaching staff and the players, he was not. Fa- he didn't face forty shots from the kill zone. He he was. They they limited the real legitimate chances, and he stood up. So they, he kept he kept them off long enough for the Avalanche scoring ability to take uh, to to open that game up a little bit. And as soon as you get into the middle of the third period, trailing by a goal, no matter who you are, you got to start taking some chances, and that's where they capitalized. Yep. So. Good on him there, uh, and I, you know, Game Seven is going to be fantastic. Can't wait. Yeah, yeah. So in the in the last in the last, and by the way, uh, Colorado gets last change, which I think is going to be important. Indeed. So Game Seven, Bednar gets last change, and and he's been really really good with that uh, with that advantage. Yep. I so hats off to the Vancouver Canucks for coming from you know, from play in and from an upstart team in, you know, in the early stages or the mid stages of a rebuild and all of a sudden scaring the crap out of Vegas 
and getting it done again with a great team effort with guys stepping up from all over up and down that lineup and missing some key pieces. Mike Furland uh, is out and, uh, you know, they're not getting anything out of their bottom six right now, but boy, you know, they've been getting by on what I call good looks, which is spectacular goaltending. When you get out shot 40 to 13 and, and you can win a game or, or whatever those final stats were, that's, that's some pretty good stuff. Agreed. But, Agreed. Uh, you you have to believe that sooner or later, you know, it's gonna it's gonna strike midnight, and I don't know if I have my fairy tale correct, but Cinderella is gonna turn into a pumpkin or whatever the heck happens in that deal, and and Vegas is gonna be they're they're gonna become Vegas, which is just scary. Vegas is scary. You do have to question if we're talking about wild cards. Um, have they corrected things behind the scenes enough that? the flurry drama is not a distraction. <laughs> um, and we can obviously discuss details on that at another time, maybe, yep. but, but um, the flurry drama being what it is, is that corrected enough that you're not wondering what might happen to your goalie tandem or what might, you know, happen between your arguably your future hall of famer in flurry and your coach DeBoer and you know, things like that. Like what have they, have they corrected it enough? Have they, as flurry and his agent issued an apology, have these things happened enough that, that the team can now focus without this noise over, over in their periphery. So short answer. Absolutely done done and over with flurry addressed it the day it happened it became public the morning after it happened i don't know what his agent was thinking they've been together for a really long time but that was just such a bonehead move and it's hard to believe that he might actually do that without flurry knowing it yep. but at any rate yeah that's answered it's over now the only question with regard to their goaltending though is Leonard has had over the over the years he's had consistency problems which is why he's not been a, a really go-to you know standout number one if he springs a leak in game six and you have to pull him or you have to go to flurry in a game seven where does that leave flurry's mentality and and you know he's probably better equipped to handle that than anyone in the league right now but you have to wonder about it yep agreed um Flurry's capable of coming in if he has to. And I guess that's, again, the scary part about a team like Vegas is Leonard, when he's playing well, clearly can win you hockey games. And um, if your backup goaltender is Flurry, then, I, you know, oh boy. But, um, but no, I agree. It, I, and I guess that was part of the, the theory and the rumblings behind it was I, it was the claims that there's no way Flurry's agent did that without him knowing. So did Flurry know he did it and then and then gave the public apology and the backtrack type of thing, you know, when, when he realized that it caused more issues? I don't know. Again, we don't need to dive into that right now. But but there, if Leonard's consistent and Flurry's healthy and there's no drama and there's no distraction and and all that stuff, they are a scary team. Now the question I have, Cody Glass is great and these different things. 
if they start facing maybe the injury issues that a Colorado's facing, are they still capable of coming out of the West? Absolutely. Just, just depth wise of, of all that stuff. So hundred percent. This team has got not only great high end talent and size, uh, you know, in, in stone, Pacioretty, Stasny, Carlson, Riley Smith, Alex Tuck, Reeves, Nick Cousins, uh, and Carrier, Carrier. Uh, these guys are, you know, they're, they've got, they're big, they've got high end talent and they are, they're, 13, 14 forwards deep in guys that can really cause problems and their defense is the same way. I got to give a shout to Shea Theodore. Uh, really as uh, really would have hated to see him leave if I'm a Ducks fan. Year, a couple of years ago, spectacular young defenseman and he's beginning to prove that he's the next next generation of Norris Trophy contenders. But then you've got you throw in Alec Martinez, a great veteran, Nate Schmidt, terrific, terrific defenseman. Uh, Zach Whitecloud, who's giving them a ton of miles out of nowhere. You know, that's a, that's a pretty sturdy defense. So it makes, and, and as much as those forwards have the puck, which is constantly, and as big as that team is, it makes, it makes Flurry and Leonard way less of a factor then if that was a suspect defense on a suspect scheme and they didn't have the puck possession numbers that they do, but being a goaltender behind this team is a, is a dream come true. It's gotta be. Uh, I love Nate Schmidt. He's great. Um, but you're right. You know, Peyton Krebs coming up, Cody glass coming along. Uh, they've got a lot of depth coming through the pipeline and it was that whole, you know, this is a whole different rant, but that the way they were set up, during the expansion draft and the, uh, and the Seattle expansion draft, they, the league has made it good for them. So, Oh yes, they have. Cause they've made them exempt from the Seattle expansion draft to have to make somebody available. So um, this is a scary team. And again, let's say, you know, and it, it doesn't matter who it is. I, I would have to be, I'm, I'm going to be as shocked as anyone if Vancouver can continue this, the Cinderella run of theirs and knock these guys off, come back from three to one and knock them off. But let's, let's go with conventional wisdom and, and Vegas wins, regardless of who comes out of the Dallas Colorado series, that should be a tremendous Western conference final added to the, who, whoever plays Tampa in the East going to be a great uh, conference final, man, this is going to be a terrific, a terrific run to the end of the month. Oh, agreed. It's a, it's exciting and it's fun to watch. It's good hockey. So I, I love it. I really, really do. I, and I, I just, um, I, I just want to, I want to give a special shout. And most of you, most of you listeners are not going to understand this, including you, Evan, <laughs> but, uh, on a social note, uh, racial pioneer from many years ago, a guy named Madison Avenue Jones, everybody called him zippy. And uh, he was a pioneer, unheralded, but uh, he was nonetheless he was a uh, he was a great guy. Anyway, uh, enough of that. What do you think? Uh, so, what do you see happening for the for the rest of the way? I mean, you got three series yet to be determined. Give me the outcome. Islanders take it um, in the East. I think Islanders Tampa in the in the Eastern final. Um, 
the underdog in me wants to then say the Islanders go to the, to the cup final. Um, but per our conversation about Tampa um, and the changes they made in the off season and, and what they're doing right now, to me, they're the guy, they're the team in the East, um, especially with how easily they handled Boston. Um, so Tampa's in Tampa's in the East for me. Tampa Tampa comes out of the East for me. Um, Vegas is uh, scary. Um, definitely wouldn't be surprised to see them come out of the West. Um, to me, it's still Colorado or Vegas out of the West. Um, but um, based on what I've seen, though. From a personal standpoint, it's um, I'm a little on edge and a little nervous for Game Seven uh, against Dallas. But um, so to, me, to me, it's Colorado or Vegas, and if Dallas somehow beats Colorado in Game Seven, um, Vegas is the team to beat in the West. So I got a I have a tactical question for you, and you because we disagree on some of these things, you may not you may not see it my way, but uh, you know, Ettinger has been the backup goalie. He was uh, in game six for Dallas because Bishop was unfit to play. <laughs> Unfortunately, Bishop was unpl- unfit to play in game five too, but he started. <laughs> uh, nonetheless, do you take, do you sacrifice somebody, dress an extra forward and sacrifice somebody and just go in and run the crap out of, Hudobin and and try to make them win with Ettinger. Uh, and and you know how short of a fuse guys like Perry and Ben and those guys have. Do you suck them into that penalty filled, you know, take your stars out of the lineup for minutes and half periods at a time, go into the penalty box? Like, would that be something that would cross your mind as a coach? Maybe. Um from what I've seen, though, it's not Bedner's style. No, I know. Um, so maybe as a kind of an accidentally on purpose kind of oops. <laughs> oops, didn't mean for that to happen type of thing. Sure. Yeah. Um, but like Comfort did in game six. That was, yeah. a, that was a perfect example. Comfort jams the net, which you have to do, regardless of, of the intent. Jam the net, and if you get bumped, fall right over the guy. Oh, agreed. Um, that kind of stuff, sure. Um, in terms of like flat out running a goaltender or doing whatever, no. no. Um, I get that, it. That kind of stuff can lead to way more issues than than just simply Dallas taking penalties. Um, <laughs> that can lead to game misconducts, um, suspensions. That can lead to some serious issues, especially if you catch Hudobin in the head or you do anything like that, right? So it becomes – becomes more of an issue than just stirring the pot. Um, but well, always, they've, got guys, they've got guys like Comfer and Kadri and Landeskog and, and um, Calvert if he comes back and plays. Um, and these guys who can stir the pot by going to the net, by, by, by poking, by, by doing these things. You got to do it. You do have to do it. And so, um, you got so it. it'll be interesting to see, but it, um, well, I have I have one one note for you before we sign off, and I can't 
and I got to run because I am swamped. I have a tea time coming up and I, I so I've got to go. Uh, I have, I can't reveal the source maybe after the season's over, but there is, there is behind the scenes problems afoot in Tampa. And the long and short of it is the, the grit and the uh, determination in their core group, which is Kucherov, Stamkos, Sergachev, it's not there. And it's, it's, they're starting to, the frustration is really starting to grow that that team, that the, the go-to guys in that lineup are not, they just don't have the will uh, night in and night out. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. I can't, can't reveal the source, but that comes from inside the room. And we'll see what happens. You know, we'll see if Kucherov comes back for the next round. See if they, see if they grow, uh, grow in size at all. Well, it, based on that, it makes you wonder. Makes you wonder what will happen if they end up winning, winning the Stanley Cup. If do your yeah. these do these issues that you mentioned suddenly kind of go hmm, go away because now they've <laughs> yeah. now they've won seriously because, well, because and we we can we can finish with this. It really is. To me, it really come a lot of these things, and we you've said it before, and we've talked about it before. A lot of these things really do get solved by winning. Oh, that's, I was just going to say and, the same thing. And so, and like these locker room issues that you know, and all of a sudden, like, is there really a big issue if with you know around Duchesne if Colorado's winning? Right. You know what I mean? It. So if these, it, is there really a big issue? If Tampa wins, all of a sudden they win the Stanley Cup, and now wait a minute, you know what? Kucherov's all right, you know, yeah. and, and all these things, and because Absolutely. because they've been frustrated last year, they get swept by Columbus, right. and how many years they've been the favorites out of the East before last year? Just how many five, six, seven years they've been the favorites out of the East to get bounced in the first or second round, and they're basically I, turning into that that tremendous regular season team who just can't get it done in exactly. the season. That's, that's and, my point. And that's why I think you're probably, you're going to see changes if they, if they flunk out again, if they don't get to the, to the uh, cup final, you'll probably see changes. Don't know exactly what they'll be, but there'll be some upgrades in Tampa coming or, or some cultural changes in Tampa coming. Uh, but you're, you're hundred percent bang on it. You know, if you got to, you get a little rift in the dressing room. Well, that's just boys being boys and they're competitors. And that's just the personalities coming out. If you're winning, you get that same rift in a dressing room when a team is 14 games below 500. And now it's major turmoil and major problems on the way trade bait and, and all kinds of things going on now. And you're absolutely right. Winning and losing changes everything. Oh, that's just boys being boys if you win a couple of series. But if you don't, all these guys need help. We got to trade this guy. We got to make massive, massive differences here. So anyway. Uh, and I think the I think the change, I think what will make the the alleged issues go away isn't just isn't just winning a couple series, it's winning the cup. They oh. I think for Tampa this year it's it's Stanley Cup or bust. And I think if if those issues you say you speak of are 
remotely true, and I'm not saying that you're wrong or they're not, um, but if they're remotely true and they don't win the Stanley Cup, even if they get to Game 7 Stanley Cup Final and they lose, if they don't win the Stanley Cup, you'll, I think you'll see, you'll, you'll see as close to a blow-up of that Steve Eiserman-built roster as you can get to a blow-up. And if they, if they win the Stanley Cup, I think all of a sudden the roster will stay the same and you'll see things they're yeah. A-OK. So yeah. it, it really will come down to are they Stanley Cup champions in 2020 or are they not? Yeah. I, I'll tell you this much. You better see Stamkos and Kucherov for the conference final. And I don't know, I don't know exactly Stamkos' status, but if those two guys are on the trainer's table when the conference final starts, that's going to be trouble. Well, it is. Well, it goes to – and you don't want to trivialize to that team. You don't want to trivialize the injuries and the, the health and what they're going through, but it really does come down to uh, look at last night. And no matter what happens in Game 7 between Dallas and Colorado, no matter who wins that, the point is look at, look at the, the message sent by the leadership in Colorado that Landeskog takes that, carrot, that scary cut on the back of his leg and where is he? He's on the ice for the final shift of the game, and he's there to congratulate the boys as they get off the ice. He's That's there. my point. That's and exactly my point. So don't want to trivialize Stamkos and his knee. You don't want to trivialize his knee or whatever else is going on, but where has Stamkos been? He's your captain. Where's he been? Kucherov disappears. And again, you never know, especially today with, with the fact that nobody tells you anything and, oh, it's just lower body or, you know, type of thing. Unfit but, to play. But, but in general, where have these guys been? Yep. Whereas last night, for example, Landeskog could have easily said, no, I need s- stitches. I need surgery. I need this or that, depending on the severity. And where is he? He's yep. right there on the ice, yep. not, just on, not just there to congratulate, but he's playing in the last shift and he's there to be with the, with the team. Exactly what I'm saying. That's so. exactly what I'm saying. So, yeah, they, this is going to – they're going to have to step that up, and, and Stamkos is just going to have to get a couple of shots and, a, and some tape and get back at it. And so is Kucherov. So, anyway, Great. love to chat with you, but I am just – I am booked. Well, you have fun golfing. Thanks for joining on Zoom this week. <laughs> yeah, it was great talking with you. We're Can't looking wait. forward to having you back in studio in person. Yep, me too. And Won't be long. So Won't be long, pal. But you enjoy golf, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you again uh, soon. Thanks for having me on, bud. Yep. Cheers. Cheers. Another great episode, another great conversation of War Room the Hockey Podcast this week, episode 66, reviewing round two. As we, as I finish this episode, though, um, round two has officially ended. Uh, the Dallas Stars beat Colorado uh, in game seven, overtime 5-4. Uh, the Islanders beat the Flyers in game seven, 4 nothing. Uh, Vegas has knocked off Vancouver. Uh, so we are Vegas and Dallas 
Tampa Bay and the New York Islanders in the respective conference finals. Uh, so again, tremendous, tremendous hockey. Personally, very, 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 very upset, very, very sad to see the Colorado Avalanche eliminated. Uh, would have loved to have seen them with a healthy healthy lineup, but nonetheless, as a hockey fan, four great teams. It'll be tremendous, tremendous matchups in the conference final as we head to the Stanley Cup final. As we uh, discussed in our conversation as well, it'll be interesting to see how things turn out for the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, not only in the playoffs, um, but come the offseason. Uh, so lots to look forward to, lots to come. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for your patience and your understanding with everything. Uh, make sure you head to, again, the necessary social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram, War Room the Hockey Podcast, at War Room the Hockey Podcast, respectively. Make sure you like and you follow us. Engage with us, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hit the subscribe button, rate, review, uh, continue to help us grow. Listeners are driving force behind what we do, and we can't thank you enough for continuing to tune in and continuing to support us. We greatly appreciate it. Um, to Brad, uh, to Dad, thank you uh, for joining us via Zoom again this week. Uh, greatly appreciate um, your passion to continue to talk hockey even when we aren't in the, the same studio. Greatly appreciate it. Um, anyways, enjoy the conference finals, uh, the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs, um, and we will see you all next week here with War Room the Hockey Podcast. I'm Evan Rauer. We'll see you around the hockey community. Cheers. Mm-hmm.